out this morning somebody looked at me and said again <laughs> no, man it's been months surely can't be that bad <laughs> but you know maybe it's possible so if if you can if you're using your phone or your uh, tablet or some other app you can check out the uversion uh, event kind of follow along there or you can follow along uh, we'll be sharing some stuff on the screen. Uh, I'm going to start by telling you something that you may have already realized. I have, uh, I'm wired with a, a skeptical, questioning, scientific mind. I'm going to blame God because I don't remember ever not being like this. Uh, I, my head has always been full of questions. What is this? What's it, how, what's it do? How's it work? Uh, why, does it do, why does it work that way? Uh, why, does, why does it work some other way? I mean, it looks like it could do this, and then you try to, well, depending on what you're trying and what you're working with, you may try to make it do something, and, well, I tended to break things. So I'll just tell you. Uh, and then, then, then it comes the question, how do I fix this? And then sometimes I can't. Yeah, and, and I look at things and I ask questions like what and why and how. Uh, and these are great questions in the biology and chemistry lab, uh, like when I was in college. That, that's the kind of stuff you're supposed to ask. Now, it gets tricky when you start asking those kinds of questions around people whose opinions are already set as to what the science already says. Because, but it, Here's the problem with these questions that I love to ask. They make me seem skeptical when I start asking them about things recorded in the Bible. Now, severely, don't, don't panic yet, please. Uh, but we've looked at some stuff. We're, we're in a series called Signs, and it's all about stuff that, well, leaves me with lots of questions. Like, <clears throat> How does saliva, Jesus' saliva mixed with dirt, smeared on some guy's eyes, turn him from a blind man into a man who can see? I mean, how does that work? And why did he spit? He didn't spit on you know the ground for anybody else. Why did he spit and put mud on this guy's face? No, why did he do that? I mean, what? What was wrong with this man? I mean, we're told he was born blind, but what does that mean? I mean, what was not working? I want to know. And, and how did smearing mud on his face make it better? I, how does that work? And what about Jesus turning water into wine? I heard one pastor say he was obviously not a very good Wesleyan. <laughs> Uh, how does that happen? How do you how do you fill up these gallon multiple <laughs> gallon jugs full of with water from a well? How many of you have had well water? 
How many of you have thought that the well water tasted like something? <laughs> but not wine. You know, I grew up, uh, the well at, in my, my parents' house uh, alternated between the, uh, the sulfur of rotten eggs and the iron of rusty nails. And then there were the great days when it was both. And so how, does, how do you take this 40-gallon jug of water from a well that you know is going to taste like something besides wine, and all of a sudden it's the best wine the guy's ever had? How does that work? How, do, how did Jesus change the molecular structure of the water into wine and while we're at it, why doesn't he do that with my Cheetos? I mean, when I eat the Cheetos, why doesn't he change the molecular structure of those into carrots? Same color, don't have to change the color. Oh, yeah, okay, some of you don't, never ask that question. Uh, but these questions sound even worse, folks, when I started asking these questions about unanswered prayer. Why didn't Jesus heal my mom? Why did he let my, my, my friend become a vegetable? I mean, he didn't let him die, but he didn't really let him live either. Why has he allowed so many people to die of COVID that people have prayed for? I mean, there are stories of people who've been, been prayed for and they've survived or even been healed in, in spectacular ways. But why not these others? Why does Jesus seem silent or even sadder? Why does he seem absent when I'm hurting or when my family's hurting or when my friends are in pain? The people are struggling. Where is Jesus? When it seems as though there's absolutely no way he could be anywhere close, where is he, really? I want to talk to my fellow skeptics and questioners, the phones with questions and doubts. And so uh, for those who have no questions and have no doubts, this is not for you. Uh, you've got two choices. You can take a nap while I'm speaking, or you can kind of listen in because you probably know somebody who has questions and doubts. Generally speaking, there are two kinds of skeptics. There are, there are some skeptics, who, some of us, who just don't believe in Jesus or God because, well, I never saw him. Um, don't believe in miracles. There's no such thing as the supernatural. If truth is, for many folks, if you can't measure it in some way, if you can't put it in a cup, you can't stick a meter on it, if, if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. Now, but there are some of us who are believers in Jesus who have questions. We're believers and we have so many questions that our faith is tired, weary. Some people even say jaded. 
But whether a person believes or is, doesn't believe in Jesus, I think these following, uh, the following statements describe all of us who are skeptical and questioning kind of people. Our favorite questions start with the words what, how, and why. What really happened? How could that have happened? Why doesn't it happen more often? How could we make it happen more often? Uh, and then there are questions like, if Jesus exists, why didn't I? Why don't I sense His presence? Why didn't I? Uh, why did I fall asleep every night crying alone? Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? When it seems as though there's absolutely no way he could even possibly be around here somewhere. Well, this morning we're going to look at something that happened in uh, John chapter 6, verses 16 to uh, 21. And uh, this is one of those times. That, uh, <clears throat> well, if, if you haven't been, I'm just going to say, if you haven't asked how yet about this one, uh, I'll be glad to help you do that. Uh, let's uh, let's do some quick review here. The first the f first few verses of John chapter six were pretty spectacular in and of themselves. Jesus uses a kid's sack lunch to feed five thousand men plus however many women and children were there. We knew ch no children were there. There was at least one kid there with a sack lunch. Um, pretty sure there probably were some others. Um, the disciples started that day wondering, how are we going to feed all these people? How can we get rid of them? And Jesus says, well, you feed them. Uh, and they started with a sack lunch and they ended up with 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And the people are so excited. They, it tells us at the end of that, that story in, in verses 14 and 15 of John chapter 6, it says the people intended to launch a revolution and make Jesus their king. And, I, I, you know, obviously yeah, this is spectacular stuff. This guy, he heals people, spits on the ground. They, they, now they can see. He, he turns water into wine. And now he turns the sack lunch into food for 5,000 plus. This guy needs to be in charge. And Jesus knew what they wanted to do, so he went off into the mountains to hide. He didn't trust them. He didn't trust them because he knew all about human nature. He knew they wanted a political leader that would set them free from foreign oppression And they kind of like the idea of a free lunch, too. I mean, just think about it. I don't need to really, 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 really work hard anymore. All I need is a sack lunch, and I can take it over there, and he'll fix it so we have a family reunion going on. So that's where it ended. They want to make him king, and Jesus says, nope, not going to have anything to do with that, and he's off in the mountains hiding and probably praying, because he often did that. So, it tells us 
this record of Jesus' life. Uh, oops, I went skipping myself. There we go. Uh, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into the boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. That was everybody's hometown. That's where that Peter, James, and John were from there. Jesus had moved there. Uh, so they, were, they headed home. The disciples came down. They got in a boat, and they went to go across the lake. By now, it was dark. This is where I started going. This is interesting. By now, it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. You left him, guys. This is where I started getting a little obvious here, right? It's, of course he didn't join you. He's up in the mountains hiding, and you decided we're done waiting, and you got in the boat and left. Jesus had not yet joined them. Well, as they're, as, they're, as they're going, it tells us a strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, I just the, the Sea of Galilee, what the Bible calls the Sea of Galilee, or the, the lake uh, is more like it because it's, it's just a little bigger than Houghton Lake. It's deeper, but it's a, just a little bigger than Houghton Lake. It, we're not talking Saginaw Bay big either, right? We're, we're, we're not even talking a great lake, lake size. We're talking... This is just a lake. But at three or four miles, they were much closer to the middle of the lake than they were to the shore of the lake. So they had gone three or four miles, and they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. Wouldn't you have been? I mean... You left the guy. And now he's walking across the lake to catch up with you. What's he going to say when he gets here? <clears throat> Somebody's whispering to Peter, you're in trouble. I told you we shouldn't have left. He's going to really be mad when he gets here. Besides the fact, how many of you have ever seen anybody walk on water besides the frozen stuff? Yeah, I see. Yeah, none of us. This is a scary thing. But he said to them, "It is I. Don't be afraid." Then they were willing to let him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. So, if Jesus exists, why don't I sense his presence? Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus when it seems as though there's no way that he can be near? I'm going to share with my skeptic friends what I've come to think so far. I believe that Jesus shows up in the most unexpected ways, but he's always there. He always shows up. He just shows up in unexpected ways. Like nobody expected Jesus to come walking across the lake to catch up with the guys in the boat. 
Nobody expected him to say, hey, can I have your lunch? I'm going to feed 5,000 people. Yeah. Nobody expected him to be so powerful and authoritative and not want to be in charge of the government. Does everybody want to be in charge of the government? Mm. Let's stop. I should not get the guard there. I'm sorry. I've come to believe that Jesus shows up in the most unexpected ways, but he always shows up. And so this is what I want you to remember. One of the things I want you to remember from this morning, when, when we recognize Jesus' presence, when we see that he's there with us, and sometimes we don't, but when we do, he calms our fears and reinforces our courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You, my fellow skeptics, whoever you may be at this point, uh, wonder where Jesus could be and why he's not in your boat. In many ways. Could it be that your questions grow from a conviction that if you can't understand the answers to your questions of what and why and how, that there must be another explanation. It can't be what everybody says it is because it, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm. If something fails to meet your, your tests, your standards, then it has to be false. Mm. So that brings me to why this is here. Let me bring it over here a little bit closer to I want you to, uh, to use your imagination with me for a moment and imagine that this white paper is everything, everything possible to know in the universe. In all of creation, this is everything there is to know. Okay. How much of it do you know? Small enough. <laughs> hey, yeah, okay, I'm lucky this has got graphs on it. Well, let's say it's that much. Okay. A little, one, one of these little squares here. And, and let's just say that in the entire human race, there's 7 billion of us or so, let's just say that uh, we know this much. I think that's a fair assessment. You, you can make it bigger, but if it 2020 taught us anything, there's a plenty we don't know. I mean, 18 months ago, nobody thought about COVID-19 pandemics. Let alone how are we going to vaccinate it and treat it and help people survive it. All of that was out here in this great unknown, literally. This is the unknown. So this is my question for us. If we don't genuinely understand only a fraction of what is possible for us to know, and 
For all of my scientific friends, that's exactly why we do science. Is to find out what's out there that we don't know yet. Could it be that the answers to our questions, our doubts, aren't in here, but they are out there? What if we define the word faith inaccurately? What if faith is not the absence of doubt and questions, but it's the presence of trust? What if, what if faith grows when we humbly trust Jesus because we've experienced his love, and we know that well, if I can't even answer all the questions, I can still trust this one because he loves me no matter what. Could it be, my dear skeptics and friends, could it be we really don't know enough to say there's no such thing as miracles? Mm. Just wondering. So for all my fellow skeptics, I want to make a suggestion. Let's question our questions and doubt our doubts. In, in the video that we watched earlier, that was Lacey Stern. It's her story. She was convinced that there could not possibly be uh, a way that Jesus could be near or that he even could exist because of the evil and pain she saw in the world. But then she met him. And she found out that he was with her every night when she cried herself to sleep. She just didn't realize it until he told her. And then Lacey felt his love and said yes to his invitation to draw closer to him. Based on what she knew, there couldn't possibly be a God. And then she found out she didn't know it all. Jesus shows up in the most unexpected ways, but he always shows up. When we recognize his presence, it changes everything. So I want to invite you, if you're a person like me who has lots more questions than you necessarily have answers, to question your questions. Question your answers to your questions. Question your doubts. Doubt your doubts. I want to invite you right now to take a moment with me to ask Jesus to make himself known to you. He did it for Lacey. He did it for the disciples in the boat. He did it for me. Mm -hmm.
He will do it for you. Jesus shows up in the most unexpected ways, but He always shows up. And He wants you to know it. Let's pray. Jesus. Jesus. Open our eyes. We want to see you. We want to experience you. It may be some, some awesome experience like Lacey had where she just showed up in the right place at the right time and somebody said to her, I want to pray for you because Jesus wants to heal your hurts. He knows your pain. And she immediately knew that the God of the universe was there and that He loved her. However you choose to do it, whether it's like Lacey or showing up on, walking on the water like you did with the disciples or, or any other way that you do it for, for us, show up so that we know. Help us to see you. Help us to question our questions and doubt our doubts until we know that we can at least trust you. <clears throat> because nobody loves us like you do. Nobody loves us like you do. Now I know in a few moments that there's a, there's a meeting following the service, but while I won't be here at the end of that meeting to tell you this, I still want to tell you this, this now. Okay? Your sins. Jesus is the center of God's plan to transform and restore this broken world, and you and I are the plan, uh, the center of the Holy Spirit's mission to proclaim the story of Jesus to the people around us. To every man, woman, and child in Bay County and beyond, He has called us to be a part of that. The Holy Spirit works in us and through us to do far more than we could ever imagine or guess or dream or request. And He does it deeply and gently from the inside out. He helps us to know that we are loved and people around us are loved and that we can love them into Jesus' family. Mm. So when you leave, remember, you are sent. You are sent to everyone, everywhere, every day. So go with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>